ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please reach out to us. There are two easy ways to contact us. You can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org, and the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us. The Twitter handle is at sfdiocese, that's S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese with the hashtag ignition. I'm joined today by Father Joseph Schulten. Hi, Father. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm great. Good. Yeah. Would you mind... Got my coffee. Doing good. You're, you're good I'm to awake. go. You're... <laughs> oh, I would hope so. We're about to record That's an episode right. of Ignition. I think we're actually recording right now. I think we... Oh, shoot. Are we? Really? Okay. Uh, Father, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself in case they've never heard your dulcet tones before? I'm Father Joseph Schulten, a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, uh, from the wonderful city of Sioux Falls, best small city for small business. Just putting a plug out there in case you're thinking about moving. You should. It's great. We love it. I uh, I am serving at the greatest parish in Sioux Falls, St. <laughs> Lambert Parish. So buy a buy a house on the on the hilltop neighbor in the hilltop neighborhood if you're if you're in the market. Uh, come hang out at St. Lambert's on Sunday mornings. It's great. I'm also the chaplain of Gorman High School. So if you have kids in high school or if you're in high school, <laughs> come on over. This Give is- us a call. This is the longest commercial I've ever had in Ignition. <laughs> well, and I'm not even getting paid. Well, St. Lambert's and O'Gorman do both pay me. Yeah. Not extra. Yeah. For, <laughs> not extra. For plugging them. You get paid either That's way. That's right. Just a, just a loyal servant of our Catholic institutions. Well said, Father. Um, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role since 2002. Father, were you... You were still in high school when I started with the diocese, or earlier, <laughs> earlier. Man, I'm getting Plead old. The fifth. Holy cow. Um, more importantly, uh, love my job, love the diocese. We do have a great diocese, a particularly fine parish at St. Lambert's. Yes, I would agree, because that's mine as well. But there are many fine... You shouldn't play favorites so much, because you're going to be moved one day. That's right. And then I suppose then you're going to... It's going to be like parents with their kids. Daddy, am I your favorite? Yes. And then they won't come. Daddy, am I your favorite? Yes. Whoever you're with is your favorite at the time. Is that what you tell yours? I don't do that. But <laughs> some, parents, some parents do do that. So that's, I think that's what you're going to be. You're going to go from parish to parish, and that's going to be your favorite. Well, maybe. Or St. Lambert's will always be your favorite. <laughs> maybe. No, no comment. No comment. Okay. I'll be honest wherever I am. So I do have children. My wife, Jermaine, and I have been married since 1999, and we have five kids, all of them also born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, just like Father Schulten. Mm-hmm. Are you born in Sioux Falls? I was born in Sioux Falls. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're not here, though, to talk about our biographies. There is, this is not the good news of Father Joseph or Dr. Bergwald. Nope. This is about the good news of Jesus Christ, particularly... Uh, we're speaking today about a, a, an excellent book on Jesus called The Case for Jesus by Dr. Brant, Brant Petrie, a scripture scholar who teach it, teaches at a seminary down in Louisiana. Um, and this is a book, actually, and we, we've, we're doing this series. We're 
coming to the end of actually this series that Father and I have been doing on the case for Jesus. But I don't think we've talked about sort of the context why we picked this. I know this summer, the summer of 2018, um, at St. Lambert's, you gave uh, a, a little series, yeah, lecture series. Yeah, we did a, a book study, Bible study um, on this on this book. Actually, our parish gave out this book at Easter. So if you are moving to St. Lambert's, you might get something this Easter. <laughs> you might get a, know. Or Christmas, maybe. Or Who Christmas, knows? Even Christmas, you know. Um, and it could be a great book. It is a great book. It's not. It could be. It is a great book. <laughs> well, this one's a great book. I don't, I don't know what's coming next. So. Oh, okay. Um, but I like this one, and uh, and some other people did do it did too. So we we decided to to do a book study. Um, and essentially, it, it seeks to answer the question: Did Jesus claim to be God? Right? Did Did Jesus of Nazareth, this man whom we have historical plenty of historical evidence existed and taught, and most people, most historians, just except that he was around. Um, right. Did he actually claim the sorts of things that Christians believe? Right. Um, did he do anything? Did he say anything that really warrants this sort of uh, enthusiasm and faith in the, in the, in his person? So committing, committing lives to him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and we think that he did, but we also have, and we believe that he did, but uh, we have, we have some pretty good evidence for that belief as well. Right. And, uh, and that's what, that's what this book and that's what this show are hoping to get into, um, the various, you know, the grounds for, for belief in Jesus. And I think we haven't really spent too much time in this series talking about that, but I think it's important because um, the Catholic Christian uh, position is that it's reasonable yeah. to to be Catholic, to be Christian. It's it's re- You don't have to check your intellect at the door yeah. of the yeah. church. Sometimes we talk about a, a leap of faith and, and things, but... Um, a faith isn't isn't a, a blind leap or a leap into the darkness. It's not based on anything. Um, sometimes it can feel like that, and sometimes we can be asked to do things uh, in our Christian lives and our lives of faith that are scary for us or new. Um, but the but the essence of faith is uh, it doesn't contradict our our reason. You know, it's not that we're asking people to believe things, even though everything all the evidence tells them that it's false. No, there's there's lots of good evidence for the Christian claim even though the essence of faith is, is something that, that goes beyond reason and requires God's grace to, to enter into, right? Yep, absolutely. So we're, that's what we're looking at here, some of the reasons why it's, um, it's uh, reasonable to have faith in Jesus and his divinity. So uh, we're looking today, Father, at chapter 12 in Dr. Petrie's book, um, which focuses on the resurrection. Um, and how is this tied in then sure. to what we're talking about? Sure. Well, for early believers in Jesus, the claim that he, uh, that he rose from the dead after being crucified by the Romans, uh, was pretty important. In fact, so important that I don't think you could call yourself a Christian if you didn't actually believe that he that he rose from the dead. Right. Right. Um, Saint Paul says that if Christ has not been raised, then then our faith in vain is our preaching. Our, you know, our faith is in vain. Basically, what all of this stuff, this whole Christian message that we've been going around and giving our lives to to proclaiming, all of that is nothing. It's not worth anything. If the resurrection didn't really happen, right, right. Um, so it was, and it remains essential to the to the Christian faith. Um, Acts, the the basically the history of the the first history of the church, Acts, the book of Acts, um, tells us that within describes how within a few years there were there were some five thousand 
uh, Jewish people who believed in the resurrection, who were believers that Jesus had really risen from the dead. That's Acts chapter 4, uh, 1 to 4. And so, so there's this very common, very, very strong belief, very um, prevalent belief soon after um, his crucifixion that Jesus is alive, right? That he's come back from the dead somehow. Right. And so, um, even if you didn't believe that that happened, if you, you've, even if you, you know, saying that they're all crazy or something, you have to give some kind of rendering for uh, as to why so many people believe that it took place. Right. 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 Um, <clears throat> Yeah, we you know we can think of kind of parallel parallel situations. You know, I might not I might not believe that there's a Santa Claus, um, but I have to come up with some reason as to no, hold, hold on. Hold, okay, wait a second. What? All right, we won't go there. Never mind. Uh, Never mind. Let, let's just Never mind. parents send the children away. That's all right. We won't oh, go oh, there. Okay, okay, I think okay. you can understand what I'm getting at. Okay. Right? <laughs> How do all the presents get under all those trees? Right. And without an alternative account, then yeah, then I'm just being reasonable, <laughs> unreasonable. It's, okay, so, well, okay, but okay, let me just throw this at you, though, Father. There are a lot of people who believe things that we would say aren't true. Sure, sure. So the fact that there's a bunch of people believing it does not itself make it true. Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're asking a question. Why did people believe it? Okay, okay, okay. Right? Yep, yep. So if there's no Santa. Why are there presents <laughs> there? So now we have an alternative account for that. We, right. But we're going to see is there is there an alternative account that better explains the widespread belief in Jesus' resurrection? Okay. okay. So is there? I but, don't think so. But okay. let's look at. But what? Are let's the, look what at what the, the claim was. All right? right. Let's look at what did they mean when they said that this man rose from the dead. Okay. okay. Well, first of all, what did they not mean? Yep. Okay. Um, there are episodes in the Gospels where Jesus raises people. Is that like episodes of Ignition? from the dead? Not exactly. More oh. like Star Wars. Okay. It's much better. <laughs> okay. Work of of uh, culture. Okay. Um, not fiction. Except for it's true. It's, yeah. So uh, so there there are scenes, events in the Gospels where Jesus raises people who have dead who have died. You know, one of them being. Um, being the uh, the son of the widow in Nain. Okay, so Jesus is approaching this village, uh, Nain. There's a, a funeral procession bringing a guy out who's died. Um, he's the only son of his mother. His mother's a widow. He sees the weeping and he approaches and and uh, and touches the. He stops them and he, he touches the buyer that's yep. bearing the uh, sparing the young man and and he raises him from the dead. Right, so he returns. He had died and he returns to life. And other scenes as well. Lazarus, you know, Jesus, Lazarus has already been dead and buried three days, and and Jesus, you know, tells him to roll away the stone. He calls Lazarus out. Okay, um, the daughter of Jairus, right? So Jesus raises people from the dead, but that person goes on to die again. Right. right? That person, nobody's claiming that Lazarus is around somewhere today. Right. Right. Uh, nobody's claiming that 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 young man from the village of Nain uh, is somehow still here. You know, two thousand years later, um, no, they rose, but they returned to normal earthly existence. And that's okay? not. I know we're going to get to what resurrection is, I suppose. But to be clear here, to underline and boldness, Jesus' return, Jesus's resurrection is not resuscitation. Like yeah, this. thank you. 
So it's a different sort of it's okay. a different sort of thing. Okay. Um, that's not the claim that they're that they're making. Okay. They're claiming that he rose of his own accord by his own power. Okay. Right. And um, and as we'll see, to a different form of existence. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. right? Um, what else isn't? So they're they're also not saying. Um, they're also not saying that Jesus somehow now lives with God. You know, like his body has died, they crucified his body, but his spirit is alive with God. Um, and how do we know that that's what they're saying? You know, well, why does why did they talk about the resurrection of the body? Right, so, right. The this phrase that that Saint Paul uses, um, the resurrection of the body. There's there's a specific bodily thing, bodily aspect so to it, this it's resurrection. Not about, it's not about the immortality of the soul no, here. No, they're not talking about uh, his soul being with God. Okay. Um, the word they use in Greek is is anastasis, right? Um, stasis meaning you know, rise or erect, being you know stood up. Okay. Ana meaning again, so sort of standing again, mm. right? So the body saying the body was dead, but it's it's standing okay. again. It's 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 come back. Okay. Um, and they also don't mean that his spirit has somehow been exalted to God the Father. And this is kind of the same, kind of different, right? Because um, Jesus is exalted to his Father in the Gospels and in Acts of the Apostles after the resurrection. But but that exaltation called the ascension, the ascension of Jesus, is presented as a as a distinct, different event from the resurrection from, uh, from his resurrection, which happens first. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So so it's not uh, resuscitation. It's not referring to spiritual immortality. Immortality. It's not referring to heavenly exaltation. Resurrection means something else than any of those three things. Right. Okay. So what does it mean? First, it means that it's something bodily. Okay. Something has happened to to Jesus in his body. And let's just look right to the right to the text of the Gospels themselves. This is Gospel of Luke, chapter twenty four. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and supposed that they saw a spirit. Right? So this is three days after he's been crucified. The disciples all fled after the Garden of Gethsemane. They had heard the reports. They knew that he had been crucified. They're all afraid. And then Jesus stands in the midst of them. Right? And notice what it says. It says they were startled and frightened and supposed that they saw a spirit. Mm. Right? So they, they thought, We're seeing some of a ghost, right? Um, And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do questions rise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. Okay, so it's very very bodily. See my hands and my feet. So he's pointing out, hey, I've got a body. I'm not Casper here. Um, Handle me, touch me, he says. Uh, and then he points out, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, right? But you can see that I have these. Mm. And so, so uh, what they were, what the early Christians believed is that Jesus' body uh, is no longer dead but alive, and that it's the same body as he had before. Remember, doubting Thomas, right? In the Gospel of John, Jesus appears to the apostles after he's risen. And, uh, and Thomas isn't there. But then eight days later, Thomas is with them. And so Thomas famously doubts. You know, the others say, hey, we saw Jesus. You know, he's back. He's alive somehow. He says, I don't believe. I'm, I don't believe you. Uh, unless, I, unless I see the mark of the nails and I put my finger in that nail mark and put my hand into his side, which had been cut open by a lance, uh, unless I touch those wounds, I'm not going to believe you. Mm-hmm. 
And then Jesus appears. John chapter 20, John, Jesus appears again, and Thomas is there that time. And, uh, and he's dumbfounded, and Jesus invites him, come and look, you know, put your finger in the, in the nail marks. So that reminds me, Father, of um, a famous painting by the Italian painter, uh, Caravaggio. Mm. I don't remember his first name. Mm. What's his first name? Michelangelo. Father? But is that's confusing. Seriously? Yeah. So his first name is Michelangelo. Yeah, Michelangelo. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But don't say that. Don't confuse people. Yeah, yeah. Don't think the don't, Sistine Chapel. So Caravaggio, Google sometime painting The Incredulity of St. Thomas. The Incredulity of St. Thomas painting, something like that. It's a powerful portrayal um, of, of this scene. So, okay, yeah. so it's, it's, so it's, it's, um, uh, it's, 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 it's the same body, but it's a transformed right. body. Right, yeah, and Caravaggio was a master of this. He really understood, you know, God coming to us in the flesh, okay. right? The, the, the bodiliness yep. of, of our faith. And, uh, and specifically in that painting, the, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, you see Thomas putting his finger in the, in the wound of Jesus, right? So he's touching the resurrection. He's touching the resurrection of Christ. Okay. Yeah. So it is the same body, but it's not, it's not the, the same, exactly the same body, right? right. No, like, like we're saying, he, appear, he walks with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, but, um, but he's able to veil his presence from them somehow, so they don't recognize him at first. And and he does things that normal that's human in, bodies that's in can't Luke, do. That's Luke twenty four, as we yeah, saw earlier. Okay, exactly. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. He does things that people with normal bodies don't do. Like he um, he appears in several places. He appears to the disciples uh, while they're standing in locked rooms. Mm. Right, and and the verbs change. You know, the 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 um, gospel writers are aware of this. They use different verbs for the. For, for Jesus after the resurrection, you know, the word appears is not something that's said of him prior to um, the crucifixion and mm. resurrection. So although it's a, a bodily resurrection, it's not the same kind of life as before. Okay. Right. So uh, body, uh, same but different, transformed, glorified mm -hmm. would be another word. Okay. Okay. So that's what the resurrection is. That's what they're claiming, right? That's, that's what that's these the people believe okay. about Jesus. Okay. So now getting back to the question we were discussing earlier, why did people believe this claim? Right. Yeah. That's crazy. That doesn't happen. I've never seen that happen. Why would you believe it? Why did these, you know, over 5,000 um, Jewish people believe it as, uh, as recounted in Acts 4? You know, why did the apostles believe it, go around talking about it? Why did the early disciples believe this, you know? Um, By the way, I think it's worth pointing out that nobody ever claimed this happened before then either. Right. This yeah. is this was a new thing. This is a new thing in the history of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody's claiming that um, other figures from the ancient world are somehow returned to life in a in a in a bodily form, and we're able to converse with people and, and break bread with them and eat fish right. with them, like they claimed about Jesus of Nazareth. Right. Yeah. Right. Not even in the in the history of the Jewish religion. No. Um, so it is a totally new new claim, right? And so it's not like it's not like they're saying, "Oh yeah, Jesus is back from the dead," you know, just like Moses or just like uh, Elijah. No, like the, that's not that's not said of of the earlier right. figures in in Jewish religious history. Right. Right. Okay. That's a really good point. Um so why did they believe it? Well, uh maybe it's cuz they were just people were just more gullible back then, right? right? They were just liable <laughs> to folk. believe yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever sensational news was coming That's from right. the, the next village over. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hey, Jesus and Nazareth, the back from the dead. Really? Oh, I believe it. Of course. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were bored. They didn't have Netflix back then. So they just <laughs> needed to spice up life a little bit. Yeah, good story. Yeah. Good story. The problem with that, though, is that, uh, is that no, the, actually, 
they don't appear very gullible in the in the gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, like Thomas, we were just talking about Thomas, right? All the other apostles, you know, claimed to have seen Jesus after he returned from the after he rose from the dead, and uh, and Thomas said, "Nope, not going to believe it. I'm yep. not going to believe you guys unless." And then he makes it really graphic and right. and, and personal, right. like. No, unless I see his wounds, unless I put my finger in the wounds, I'm not going to believe you guys. Mm. I think you're crazy. I think you're lying. Whatever. Right. I'm not going to believe. Right? right. So there's not, they're actually not very gullible. Right. And, and, uh, and the other apostles doubted, even as they were seeing Jesus, right. They're not saying, and then we saw him and we knew it was him. They're saying, no, it was, it was hard for us at first. You know, we, um, he looked like Jesus, he sounded like Jesus, and yet it was hard for us. Uh, Matthew 28, 17, or Mark 16, 12, Luke 24, 11. These are different places where, where after the resurrection, um, Jesus appears, and yet there's there's some doubt. It's it's hard for the apostles to believe that it's him. Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they saw him, they worshiped him, it says at the end of Matthew's gospel. But some doubted. Of course, this was, it was a crazy thing. It was an amazing, almost unbelievable fact, but it was a fact. There he was. They could see him. They could touch him. The one that you, the passage you read earlier from the end of Luke's gospel, chapter 24 and Luke with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they t- they're telling Jesus there in that story about how, oh, and some of the women claimed to have seen him, but we don't know where his body is. And the, 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 again, they're right. clearly, the, at least these two disciples are not believing. Yeah, people aren't. What, what's that? People weren't more gullible back then. Or, and, and then the apostles encountered this resistance, understandably, as they're preaching about it. Sure. You know? Um, especially Paul, when Paul goes to Athens and, and gives his famous speech or sermon at the uh, Areopagus, um, what is the point that they start to to laugh at him? What What is the po- breaking point? It's when he starts talking about the resurrection, resurrection. right? He's talking about the gods and 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 and, and, uh, and the divinity and things, and they're like they're following, they're tracking him, uh, but then but then he starts talking about the resurrection, right? Um, like. And they're like, oh, this is kind of crazy. All right, this guy, this guy's from the loony bin. Oh, this is really come, yeah, yeah. come talk more about this some other time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and hopefully they did. Hopefully some and some believed. Some didn't right. believe right. his testimony. But that just goes to show people were not more gullible. Right. right. It's not right. like people back then were just dumber. Yep. Right. And actually, people are around death a lot more in the ancient world as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so they knew, you know, dead is dead. You know, we kind of relegate it to, to hospitals and hospice homes and things. We don't spend a lot, of, we, don't, we don't often encounter the end of life, um, but they were very familiar with the definitive nature of, of death, right? I think it was, wasn't it C.S. Lewis who used the term chronological snobbery? Yeah. With this presumption yeah. that living more recently means that we somehow know more. I mean, it's true that we know more facts yeah, about yeah, the universe yeah. and so on, but that doesn't mean we're necessarily any wiser. Right. And the fact of death today is the same as yeah, it was 2,000 years, years ago. Exactly. Um, okay. But people saw a man and they couldn't deny that, you know, that they were seeing the man that had been crucified. So, so why else might people have believed the claim? Well, a good piece of evidence in favor of the resurrection is the fact that the empty tomb was right there in Jerusalem. Mm. Right. Um, if Jesus had not really risen from the dead and was still in the tomb, it'd be very easy for uh, for the opponents of the early Christians to say, he hasn't been raised. Look, 
There's the tomb. See, it's still sealed up. Open it up. Open it up. Check. He's there. But nobody did that, right? right? We don't have right. any no <laughs> records, records of anybody saying, this is crazy. Look, he's right there. So um, so the, the tomb is empty. And John chapter 20 gives this really detailed account of what the first witnesses saw when they got to the tomb Easter Sunday morning, right? They ran to the tomb. John ran faster than Peter. They both got there. Peter went in first. And they uh, they see the the cloths, the burial cloths folded up. They see the the cloth that had covered his head in a different mm-hmm. place. So there's, a, there's an eyewitness account of what the inside of the tomb looked like, notably with no dead body inside. Right. Right. So um, they have to come up with the the elders who had orchestrated Jesus' trial and crucifixion. They have to they have to come up with an alternative explanation, right? Which you still have to do right, <laughs> as to right, why the right. tomb was empty. And uh, and they um, they feed the soldiers a rumor, right? Because they had not only um, Put Jesus, killed Jesus, put him in a tomb. Not only sealed the tomb, but they actually had a, a cohort of soldiers stationed in front of the tomb just to make sure nobody messed with mm-hmm. the body. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so when the body is not there, they have to they have to tell them. Well, tell them that they came at night and and stole his body. And if anybody you know causes any trouble for you, we'll, we'll, we'll pay it. for it. We'll yeah. pay him off. We'll, yeah. And that's in Matthew twenty eight. Um, you know, feel, falling asleep on your on your. Uh, on your post was punishable by death right. in the Roman legion. So the they way. said that we'll cover it with yeah. Pilate. This case. is a big, yeah, yeah. So, so the rumor is itself pretty incredible. Um, pretty crazy, but that's the best they can come up with as right. to why the tomb is empty. So, um, there's plenty of evidence. There's a lot of strong evidence. The eyewitness accounts, for example, um, from Matthew and John, the account of Paul who, who saw Jesus risen later, you know, albeit later than the other, apostles. Um, and there's the fact that so many people believed in it that, that stands in um, pretty strong favor of the, of the actual resurrection of Jesus from the dead. My thing, Father, with this is, and this is, this is uh, many people have made this observation. It's not like the apostles got rich and famous, well, maybe famous, but they didn't, they didn't get, they didn't gain anything. If you're going to tell a lie like this, I saw Jesus alive. You would, you would, you would only tell that lie if you get something out of it. Yeah. That's worth something. Why, why would you make up a story like that if it didn't happen to get something? Well, they, all they get is dead. I mean, they're, they're 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 killed ultimately yeah. because of their faith and the testimony of the risen Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Paul has this great description of of what uh, what it's like to be an apostle. Right. This is from Second Corinthians eleven. Um, he's talking about his apostleship. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I've been shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship, et cetera, et cetera. He goes on. It's hard to be an apostle. Right. <laughs> Why did they do it? Because they saw him. Exactly. He really had risen from the dead. He really was alive. He really was offering people eternal life. And as we saw in the previous episodes in this series, he had claimed to be God. The fact that he rose from the dead sort of supports that hypothesis. Yes. Um, again, the book is Brad Petrie's The Case for Jesus. Read it. We love it. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.